Hi, this is Dave Miller, drivewithdave.com. Today I'm in cloudy, overcast, foggy Joliet, Illinois, but a beautiful little private racetrack, a country club racetrack called the Autobahn. With me is a guest that I've known for quite a few years. His name is Francesco Davila, and uh, Frankie, as many people still call him, from the old days, uh, has a fascinating, interesting career that uh, I wanted to let you in on. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce you. Welcome to the show. Francesco, it's good to see you again. Thank you. Francesco, I'm sitting here surrounded by some of the fastest, quickest little automotive racing machines that uh, you can use, probably on a public or a private track. Um, I'm interested in what you do. Tell me a little bit about you and about Team Stradale. So we are located at a, at a motorsport country club facility here in Joliet, and we are a driving school. We are a facility to support racers from novice all the way up to professional drivers, and uh, we're race consultants. So what we do is uh, we take a person from early stages of interest and, uh, and introduce them to the passion of motorsports. And we guide them through the whole process and hopefully make lifelong friends. So uh, what we do is ooh, it's a lot of entertainment, but we are uh, basically introducing racing uh, as an entertainment piece to, to a lot of individuals and growing that pool and growing that, uh, that camaraderie. So we had a little bit of a discussion before this, and you were at one time a teacher. Is that right? That's correct. So that's kind of an interesting segue between teaching uh, in a school at whatever capacity and teaching at a racetrack or the things you do. So how did it come to pass that you went from teaching to teaching out here? Well, racing was always a passion from a very young age. So I raced carts starting at eight years old all the way through my, my late 20s and in, into the 30s. So I've always raced cars uh, with my father. My father instilled that, that passion from a very young age. And he was always my, you know, my best friend and my, my uh, comrade in racing. Through the years, obviously, uh, racing becomes more and more expensive and more and more dangerous. And at one point in late high school, my mother uh, was adamant that I needed to go to college. And that's Barb, right? <laughs> that's, uh, she, uh, she was very, very um, um, adamant that I, I did have a backup plan. I was not going to, um, I was not going to uh, not go to college. I, I had a plan in my mind, was a professional race car driver. And uh, like me, Formula One, right? Yes, correct. It was Formula One or bust. And um, at, at some point she said, no, you have to you have to go find uh, something else that you're passionate about. So I went to college and, of course, got into business and found out very quickly that I didn't like it. And I, I've been around business my whole life with my dad's company. He uh, restored vintage race cars and and Ferraris and Fiat's and Alphas, all the Italian makes. And, um, so I'd always been around it, but never really studied it. And I did very, very poorly in business. And I was on the brink of leaving school after my freshman year. And I had a mentor by the name of, uh, Dr. Elliot Lesson. And he was somebody that introduced me to the world of teaching. And he said, you know, after getting to know me after a while, he said, you should be a teacher. And I said, are you crazy? I don't know anything about teaching. And he said, you're, you're, you're natural at it. Just, just go, you know, go uh, find out if you can do it. So I started, I took one of his classes, which was called Exceptional People in Society. And it was a class about 
people with disabilities and disorders and, and differences. And that I found fascinating. And uh, I had friends uh, that we also helped out with uh, the Special Olympics when I was younger. And I and then it made sense. I said, oh, I always had fun doing that and helping people. And I just um, I got into special education. I switched majors and and there you had it. I actually found something I liked and I went to classes and I enjoyed them and and I graduated and then did student teaching and decided I'm going to go do this. And I became a high school teacher. Uh, at Fremd High School in Palatine, Illinois. Still love the place and um, still have uh, really great friendships there with the other teachers. How long were you a teacher there? I was a teacher there for seven years. And and I've got to ask you a question now. Before we get into exactly what you're doing right now, you're teaching at that level before, whether it's special education or whatever it was. Did that help you at all in teaching people with what you're doing right now? (laughs) <laughs> I always make a joke. Yes, it did. Um, I had a lot of, um, uh, my specialty was in the, uh, attention deficit disorders. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Uh, because, uh, most of my clientele have attention deficit disorder of some sort. Um, it's, uh, you know, uh, males of, uh, of a capacity of being, let's say, um, businessmen or entrepreneurs have a tendency to have attention in, in a lot of different areas. And, you know, my wife says I never listen to her. At least at least I think that's what she says. I'm not <laughs> I'm not certain. But but anyway, today you made the segue from and how did that come about that you decided to leave the profession of special ed teaching and go where you are today? Again, it's because of a person, and uh, I, owe, I owe everything in my life to people that were, I, I love people and people that have become part of my lives, um, like this individual. His name is Gabriele Vignaroli, and um, he was, uh, is a very good friend of the family, and um, he came to me one day when Autobahn, this, this motorsport country club, uh, opened and said, you need to be doing this. This is your passion. You've raced your whole life, and you need to share the passion with people that don't know racing. Um, that, that have the money that can have supercars and sports cars, but they need to be introduced to that, to that, uh, that lifestyle. And, um, so he convinced me to start it part-time and I came over, uh, on my days off on weekends and then spring break and summer break. And so you were teaching school at that time. Correct. I was driving, um, I was teaching every day and then working here. Um, and I was driving back and forth from the, um, the North Hoffman area, about 75 miles one way every day, um, that I had off and we were just, I was coaching and and building this business with him. So let's talk a little bit more before we get into the specifics of what you do. Let's talk about the facility we're at and let's definitely give Mark Basso a, a plug for the Autobahn. Tell me a little bit more about the Autobahn. So the Autobahn is a, the brainchild of, of Mark Basso um, and some other key individuals that were, that were his um, comrades early on. He came up with this idea um, in the 90s. Um, he was a member with his father and, and family at a golf country club and wasn't you know, too thrilled with golf and was a car guy. And he really loved, he really loved cars. And he wanted to marry the two... Um, the two concepts together of like hanging out and, and, you know, building friendships among something that you enjoy. Uh, and the only country clubs that existed were really, you know, surrounding golf and he didn't like that as much. So 
he wanted to build a country club, uh, same concept, but with car people in mind. And uh, the racetrack was the, you know, was the, uh, the canvas for him. So it took many years of, of trying to convince people going to automotive clubs. And he used to come to the Ferrari club all the time. As an aside, I remember when I was the Ferrari club director here, the regional director in Chicago and Mark came to me and he said, Hey, can I stand in front of your members? I got this idea and for this. Fafanio's house. Yeah. I, I'd like to stand in front of your FCA or Ferrari club members and talk to them about this racetrack and everything. And I'm dialing nine one one. I had the nine one, I had the nine one dial, but not the, not the last one. I listened to him. Great idea. Please go on. Yeah. He, he came and pitched the idea for years. Um, finally in, Around 2003, uh, they had they had a piece of property that they were settled on. They were going to break ground, and at the last minute, the, the the surrounding community pulled the plug on the program. So he had to research for for new property. So he got involved with some other people that were founding members here that uh, helped him find this property in Joliet, which is just a mile and a half away from the already existing speedway. So you got a speedway, you have a bunch of land, uh, you know, some farms, uh, but people are already used to loud noises. So this was a natural, um, a natural selection for him for the racetrack. And so when that finally went through in 2004, they broke ground and, um, and they had a bunch of dirt and he tells the story a lot of like looking at the dirt and looking at what he did. And he was just kind of like, Oh my God, what did I just do? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Um, but he, uh, he was a believer and, um, he created a lot of believers. So, uh, first founding members, um, put all put in the money and started paving, you know, they did all the demolition and they started paving the track. And by late 04 and 05, they, we had a, a working facility and a racetrack, no buildings yet, just a tent. Um, and you know, people all gathering together with cars and driving on the racetrack. And that was really the first time at least in the U.S., that a person has has seen a motorsport facility geared towards club members to just go out and enjoy their cars. And you had mentioned that it started small, of course, and I, you and I both know some of those original members. Yeah. But let's talk about where the Autobahn is today. So we're at approximately 510 members. Um, the club itself has got 70 or so buildings surrounding it. So members have purchased land from the club and built their own garage mahals, we call them. And um, people house their collections of either vintage cars or race cars or just fun cars to drive. And Autobahn's membership has grown um, past its original limit. We thought it was going to be about 350 people. And, uh, and the ceiling is much higher because, as you know from other types of clubs and organizations, you know, not everybody shows up on the same day. So some there's some days that the place is empty and there's plenty of room to drive. And there's other days there's 70, 80 members together driving. Um, but what's great about it is is it's turned into a place where real true friendships have been made. And um, you can share that that camaraderie and that and that passion of racing or maybe not racing. Maybe they just love being around cars. Uh, so it lends itself well to any level of the passion which is really great. So before we started this interview, you and I walked past some amazing little automobiles. And now it's maybe, let's talk a little bit about Team Stradale. Let's talk about the cars that you do, what you do for some of the people that are out here, uh, the maintenance aspects, the, uh, the sales aspects, the, um, the, uh, certainly the instructional aspects of racing, because 
Trust me, I know. Not everybody can jump into a car and go fast about a track. So start with Team Stradale. So as I said before, Team Stradale was really the brain work of uh, myself and, and Gabriele Vignaroli and and um, our other friend, our other partner at the time, Joe Graziano, who built the building originally. Um, and it was just basically a place to house the cars. We were really looking for a place to store the cars and that people were going to be bringing and, um, and to start to coach them. So we started to coach uh, individuals and just on an individual basis. And then eventually it turned into, hey, we need a driving school. We need an official program. And that's where my teaching background came. I wrote the curriculum for the driving programs. And I, I broke it all down uh, because, you know, back back whenever, Skip Barber days or Bob Bondron, you know, they would teach people how to drive cars, but they were really not organized um, about like having a curriculum, like an official, like this is how you teach and, uh, you know, teaching the teachers. Um, so what I set about doing was writing a curriculum to do that. And it was really strange at first because I really didn't, I, I knew how to race, but now I got to teach people how to do it. And so that, that's a different, that's a different animal altogether. So this is when your background really started to come to the fore when you, uh, when you went from teaching in the public, uh, sector down to, uh, teaching race car driving down here. Right. And that's really where the passion came in because it's very easy to do something that you love to do, uh, when, when it's, when it's something that you love. So I had never saw it as work. Um, so the teaching really uh, sprang us into uh, you know the next phase of what the business would become, which was then we were servicing cars. Um, because people would bring their cars here, they would store them, they would want them serviced, they'd want to learn how to drive them. It became kind of like a one-stop shop. So we, we just developed the business into a, a consultancy of, of what to do with your cars on a racetrack. And um, so that's really what Team Stradale has become. And we've become the official driving school for the Autobahn. We provide all the curriculum and all the, the driving programs for them. And, um, and also we support drivers um, in, in race cars. We learned a long time ago that if you take a street car and you turn it into a race car, you know, there's some inherent problems with that. You can have a great time. You can take a Porsche and turn it into a great race car, throw a roll cage in it and, and all that. But there's nothing better than a purpose-built race car. So we set out to look for that purpose-built race car. We're going to talk about that purpose-built race car in a second. But let's say I'm the typical guy that suddenly says, you know, I'm, um, I'm doing well in life. Maybe I've got a little bit of spare time. I'm self-employed. And I've always maybe dreamt about the idea of racing a car. But I really know nothing about it. I don't know anything about what's the right car to buy, how I should actually be driving that car, what's the best way to approach a corner or how you get around it, the difference between uh, uh, entry speed and exit speed and all those kinds of things. So if I'm the typical guy, do you get that, number one? And I guess number two is, how do you take that guy or girl from absolute beginners, super novice, all the way up to where they feel comfortable on the track? You start off slowly. <laughs> um, everybody wants to go fast right away, and that's not... I do. Yeah, I know. That's not where you start. So um, it starts with an interview. Um, you know, a lot of people want, want me to answer all the questions in an email, and I immediately call them. And I said, I'm calling you because I can't really answer everything um, in an email because there's going to be a lot of back and forth here. So we start off with an interview. 
I need to know what your goals and aspirations are first. I need to know what, what are you looking to accomplish out of this? What are you looking to do? How much time are you willing to spend at this? What's your budget? You know, what kind of cars do you like to drive? Can you drive manual transmission? Um, what do we need to teach you first? That gives me a baseline and it gives me a direction. And then, uh, and that, that's the beauty of our school. We're the only driving school in existence that does 100% one-on-one instruction, meaning we are, I'm, I have a curriculum set, but that might not be exactly what I do with you. Depends on your goals. So we drive it based on your needs. So first we do the interview and we learn what you want and what you want to get out of it. And then we, um, then we design the, the program around you. So I would start you off in a slower car, something like a Mazda MX-5, um, either automatic or manual. Um, I teach manual transmission a lot because you really need those foundation principles. They help you out. Even if you're going to drive a semi-automatic car or something with paddle shifts, you really need to know manual transmission um, to understand weight transfer and understand how to control a vehicle. So we start off at the, at the base level with something with 150 or 200 horsepower, nothing crazy. Everybody wants to go out there with their Porsche or their Corvette and they want to just, you know, step on the gas. And what happens is mistakes inevitably happen. They happen for everybody. And when you have a car with higher horsepower and you're trying to learn, the mistakes are masked by the horsepower and you don't ever catch the mistakes. And my dad always taught me from a very young age that the best way to go fast in a race car is to limit mistakes. It's not about how fast the car is. It's about being perfect. If you have a perfect lap, you can make a fast car. You can make anything fast. And um, so that's what we try to teach uh, drivers from, uh, from beginner level is get in the car, learn the car, learn the track, learn what to do at racetracks, learn the rules and the safety first, and then build on that. The speed will come. The speed always comes later. We could do a whole show on my mistakes. Um, <laughs> my, fr- my friends are quick to point out. So let's say we've gone through the, uh, the MX-5. We've gone through whatever car that you feel is a good training car, a teaching car for this person. We've learned about a manual transmission. We've learned maybe paddle shifts and stuff. You walk me through the shop where you have these beautiful little racing machines called radicals i'm really interested in hearing about these cars yeah it, it, they've grown like gremlins uh you pour water on them and then they just multiply um and the reason being it's just a great product um pure and simple and radical we we i told you we searched for a purpose-built race car and there are many cars out there and i drove i drove many formula cars as a young age and and, and growing but but the Radical, uh, built in the early 90s, they've been through many, many iterations of this, this vehicle. They call um, Radical Sports Cars is a, is a company in the UK, in Peterborough, and they build, they hand build these race cars, and they've been doing it since the 90s. And um, the most popular version, what you were looking at across the street there, was the SR3 model. And that's really popular because it uses a motorcycle engine, a Hayabusa from a Suzuki, and it is very lightweight. It's uh, 1,500 pounds, call it, with the driver. And um, it's got 220 horsepower. It's got high downforce. It's a, it's a prototype-style car, which means that it's not a, not a uh, Porsche or a street car or anything like that. It's, it's a purpose-built race car um, with uh, fiberglass fenders and, and bodywork. Um, and high downforce, meaning that it's got high aerodynamic effect. So it actually works in the, you know, not like a guy with the wing that they pop on their Honda Civic, you know, this is the actual aerodynamic effect that will, 
that will drive the car down toward the ground the faster you go. So it's a great uh, learning tool. It's a great car to, uh, to drive. It's got um, a really neat thing on the side called a passenger seat. So you can take a coach with you for rides and, and you, can, you can coach in the car. You can also take people for rides um, in the car and share that passion with them. It's always been something that I love to do as a, as a young driver. I always wanted people to come watch me race, you know, my friends and my family, you know, girlfriends at the time. And, uh, you know, they can, they can come watch a race, but they have an attention span, again, back to attention, of about an hour. And after that, things start to get a little bit boring for them because they're not the person racing. They're not engaged in it. They're not engaged. So what Radical did was they put a passenger seat in there. And the product fits perfectly for motorsport country clubs because you're here to share the experience. So yeah, I can go out and run a, you know, laps in a formula car and have the best time of my life, but I'm doing that by myself. I can go in a radical, I could take you for a ride and blow your mind at to, as to what this car can do. The engineering and the aerodynamics and the speed and the acceleration, the braking, you get out of that car physically and mentally exhausted and you'll remember it forever. It, it kind of reminds me of the picture of uh, Ford versus Ferrari when uh, Henry Ford was taken around by Carroll Shelby That's in that it. car. That's it. You, I mean, you, you, countless, countless people have gotten out of the car and either, either sick to their stomachs or just exhilarated and blown away. And when we bring people for rides and they take pictures afterwards with the cars, you know, they're putting those pictures in their offices next to their kids and their grandkids. and Or in front of. In front of. And, and, and it's so funny because I get so many people that come to do uh, events with us because we do events as well. Um, and the, they'll be like, you know, we did this event with our company and um, or somebody did their event with their company and they told us about you guys and they showed me pictures. That doesn't happen with a golf outing. Mm-hmm. You know, a golf outing is fun. It's a great day. Uh, occasionally. But it doesn't happen. You're not talking about that forever. People, they walk away from Autobahn and what they do at Team Stradale, and they talk about it forever. That's what we do. Now, also, the instruction part is so big. The selection of the car is so big. But I know the Autobahn out here, um, you also support the racing of the Radicals and the rest of that kind of stuff. Tell me about the Radical Series racing that you have. So we have a local series here at the track, and we have uh, 12 events a year, uh, so April through November, and that comprises of all of our our Radical members, and and, uh, we race together in a series. We coach them and and teach them, and then they become racers themselves, and and we have a very, very competitive series here at Audubon. As a matter of fact, when we go away to uh, compete in the National Radical Cup, which is a traveling series all over the U.S. and in Canada. Typically, for the last at least four years, Autobahn members have been the national champions and standing on either first, second, and third podium all the time. Um, it just it happens because we grow, uh, we grow race car drivers here because of the flexibility and the ability that we have to be on the racetrack any time of the day we want. So our drivers can can get as unlimited practice. It sounds like a terrific uh, a, a terrific event for those people who would like to go out and safely learn to drive a race car on the track and then expand whatever talents they have or just just learning to drive better. Absolutely. 
and, and the, you don't have to be a you don't like we said before you don't have to have the goal of being a professional race car driver so you can come out just to have fun absolutely and we and most actually most of the drivers uh, have that goal in mind they want to come out and have fun they might compete in some events but they just want to go around a racetrack and 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 be safe and uh, and test their own skills and advance in their own way so we have a lot more drivers that do that that are, are very skilled, but they might not have ever competed in a national event before. Francesco, let me go in another direction. Obviously, you've taken this place, or Team Stradale, and Gabe Vignaroli, what a great guy. I've known him for a long, long, long <laughs> time, too, and he is just, uh, just his presence is all, all over in so many different venues. Uh, so thanks to him for giving us this time to do this today. But at the same time, this has become a business. And these days, so many people go into business with the expectation that they're going to be the next Apple or the next Google or whatever. They get out of college or sometimes even high school because everybody doesn't have to go to college anymore. Um, you've been successful in business because of the certain things that you've done. Are there opportunities that have been given to you, things that you said yes to, things that you said no to? Um, tell me a little bit about saying yes and no to things. Well, <laughs> that, uh, that decision a long time ago to come here was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. And it was the hardest decision. It, like I said, it took a year. Um, for me to to really decide to come from teaching to do this full time, and it was not easy. Um, but there are many decisions that I, I've made in the past. I, I was you and I were talking about like you know racing, and uh, I, I passed up a lot of opportunities um, that could have been something, and I, I'll never know. Um, but saying yes to Team Stradale in this business um, opened opened the world to me in a different way, and. Um, you know, as I grew up racing, uh, the 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 budgets got astronomical, and that's what really stopped us from continuing. So I had to, uh, as a young you know a young adult, understand that okay, my passion is I'll always enjoy it, but it's limited now, and I might not be able to do it forever. Well, what a great thing! Autobahn opens up, and now you know Gabe comes to me and says, "You should be doing this," and. And now I'm at a racetrack every day and I'm on a racetrack every day and I'm teaching and sharing racing, the passion of that with people. I couldn't have even asked for anything more. Um, but yeah, this has been a Formula One driver, maybe if I had, you know, a couple billion in the bank. But I, I'm, I'm actually enjoying myself more now than ever. Team Stradale is obviously a business, though. And you have gone through from being a fledgling business person you're going to be a, a sort of an entrepreneur or whatever to come out to a racetrack, walk away from a guaranteed paycheck and a pretty set situation. You have obviously learned lessons somewhere along the line. And I think these days people come out of, at least I hear that people come out of college or they come out of their, their background and they're casting around for something to do. The lessons that you've learned here, if you had to take, and I always ask this question because I think it's very telling, what would you tell people these days? People that are coming out of college, they're casting around for something to do, they're getting into business for themselves. Expectations. Uh, how do they go ahead? With, with whom do they mentor themselves? What, what words would you have? God, there's, there's so many. <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'll try to make that simple. Um, number one, never say no. Number two, open your ears. Uh, listen to people. I've, I've, I've been very lucky that 
I've learned from my parents to listen and pay attention. And what I mean by that is my parents have always been fortunate and they've made myself, myself and my sister fortunate to, to be hanging around the right people. And uh, I don't mean like necessarily in a networking instance, or, but just hanging around the right people that are good people, good family people, good entrepreneurs, smart people. And uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't have babysitters growing up and, you know, our parents took us everywhere and they made us hang out with the adults and they made us listen whether we liked it or not. And I caught, you know, I, I just caught a lot of what was going on in the background and I, and I heard what people were saying. And that shows true today too. I'm always around the right people. I'm learning from all of my friends and my family um, what to do, what not to do, and what mistakes they've made. And it's the same as in my teaching in, in a race car. Like I teach people like how to get around the racetrack the safest and the fastest and what mistakes uh, to not make. But you're going to make them eventually. You just will. So what to do when you make those mistakes. So not saying no, listening, and being open-minded to, uh, to opportunities and being prepared to adapt and overcome because there will be hard times no matter what. Nobody can, can shield you from that. So um, just like I would tell kids going into college, uh, same as I would tell them going out of college, be open-minded, be ready. Be ready for hard work. Don't be afraid of it. Be ready to put in 80 more hours. You know, uh, There is no such thing as a 40-hour 40, 40 work week. There is if you just want to be do, you know, getting that, that paycheck. Um, but you need, to, you need to strive for better. Uh, and never say no. I, the, the opportunities that I've said no to, to racing other forms of cars like dirt track cars and, and oval cars and God, uh, drag racing cars, I don't know what those could have led to. They could have led to, to a much bigger and better thing. But I was so focused on formula cars and open wheel cars and European driving. And I only wanted to do that. My vision was very short sighted. Uh, my vision can stay the same and your goals can stay the same. But there are other routes to get there. And maybe saying yes to some of those things would have gotten me there just a different different way. Francesco, Drive with Dave is all about cars. And I want to bring us back because we are two, guy, two car guys sitting around here just chatting about cars. And I always ask this question of car people. Favorite car out there? And this is a money, no object. If you had all the money in the world, what would you buy? <laughs> that is a really hard question. Um, street car, uh, Ferrari Dino. Um, race car, um, uh, you know, Ferrari GTO. Um, <laughs> yeah, they shoot for the moon, right? You know, I, I love the I love the old cars. I really have a, a, a deep appreciation for vintage cars that came from just hanging around my dad and working on the cars with him. Um, yeah, I would love the, the Dino is by far the the car that just it's just burned in my memory forever. So, Francesco, if people were to contact you, either for lessons or for um, just information about Team Stradale, where would they get, would they email you? What's the best email? Yep. Email uh, my first name, Francesco, at teamstradale.com. Or if you can't spell Francesco, info at teamstradale.com. If you can't spell Team Stradale, then it's just uh, T-E-A-M and then S-T-R-A-D-A-L-E.com. Um the email and phone is the best. Uh, you can call us here at, uh, at Audubon at the Team Stradale location at 815-727-7234. We always pick up the phone. 
Um, email and phone are the best. I do have people contact me through social media platforms, but as we were talking before, um, it is very difficult to keep them all straight. So I, I always answer emails and always answer phone calls. So that's the easiest. Again, this is Dave Miller at drivewithdave.com interviewing some of the most interesting people in the world. And it's always about the same thing, sports cars.